0: Sometimes it's really hard for us to break our own ice to get started. You know, people always say that, how do you get started? And you're asking the same question in terms of how do we go deeper to use writing as, as a map and a trail guide and a mirror. Welcome to the Find Your Voice
1: podcast, a show where we believe in the power of the written word to create positive change in your personal life, your community, and the world. I'm your host, Alison Fallon. Whether you're an aspiring author or someone who swears they're not a real writer, we're here to show you how a regular practice of writing will help you access your intuition, make an impact, and find your voice. Join me for interviews with authors, writing prompts, and stories of how even simple words change lives. Hi, writers. Okay, serious question for you. What do you think of when I say the word poetry? If you're like most people and myself included several years ago, you probably think somewhere along the lines of boring or hard to understand or only for a certain group of people, for English majors or poetic types or whatever. We have all kinds of layers of assumption that we put on this idea of poetry But today's guest, I hope, is going to change your mind about all of that. Today, I talk with Meredith Heller, who is a performing poet and a singer-songwriter with graduate degrees in writing and education. But more importantly than that, I think she was also once a teen facing devastating life circumstances who happened upon poetry and found in it a way through her own pain. Through poetry, Meredith found a way into inner strength and toward self-expression And self love. We're going to talk all about that today. Today, Meredith and I are going to discuss how poetry, both reading poetry and writing it, helps us make sense of our life experience. We're going to talk about how poetry helps us access a deep part of our psyche and actually heal old wounds. And I'll share a story about a tragic loss from my life and how I used poetry without even knowing it to speak life over myself. I didn't realize this until I was having this conversation with Meredith. I want to talk about how we can be more intentional to use poetry as a way to create a map for ourselves. And Meredith does an amazing job of this. And she's also going to give you prompts to get started so you don't feel stuck or like you're just staring at a blank page. I will give a really quick trigger warning. Meredith tells a story about sexual assault and abuse. And there's also a mention in the story that I tell of suicide. We don't go into depth about any of it, but I just wanted to let you know, in case you'd rather skip this episode for now for the sake of yourself or for the sake of having little people listening in the background. Either way, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Meredith Heller. Meredith Heller, thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm so happy to be here, Allie. Well, we're going to cover so much ground in this conversation. I can't wait. But I always start with the same question, and I'm really curious to hear your answer to this question, Mm. which
0: is, what does it mean to you to find your voice? Oh, this is such a beautiful question and such a great place to start. To find your voice, I think, really starts with... Knowing that we matter,
1: Mm.
0: believing in ourselves, knowing our own worth, and valuing ourselves so that, first and foremost, for us, we pay attention, notice, and heed our thoughts, our feelings, perceptions, impressions, noticing what moves us both from within and without. And then knowing that there's value to us as a being, as part of the whole tapestry of voices that are happening now in the world, that our voice, as much as anyone else's, in concert matters. Mm. What an absolutely
1: poetic answer. I should have expected that from you. <laughs> um, exactly. <laughs> I do have a follow-up question because I think you're touching on something that we don't talk about that often. And I think it's really important that just this sense of knowing that we matter and, and listening to the thoughts that come up for us, the feelings that come up for us, the intuition, the whatever, the desire that's bubbling up. What is it that you think gets in the way of us doing that? What's what
0: is why don't we do that more often? Mm, Yeah, gosh, another great question, Allie. Well, I think a lot of it is the, the way that we're trained in society and in culture to be very productive parts of the whole societal machine. Mm. And there are things that are beautiful and good and necessary about this. But there are also parts of this that teach us to ignore or push aside our own needs, our own feelings, and to bypass what's really happening inside of us In order to produce in the world. And I think that there's a balance here that we need to come to in this next evolution of, of humanity. And I'm always seeking this balance in myself <laughs> because I don't tend to be very balanced. I tend to be kind of an extremist. Like, yeah. like this past year, I wrote and published three books and taught 25 classes a week.
1: Oh, my gosh. Now
0: I'm going <laughs> to camp at the river all summer and yeah. write poetry, you know, and barely talk. Yeah. So, so it's my own process. But, I, but again, it comes back to each of us being a voice, a thread that makes the Mm -hmm. whole tapestry. And so if I'm going through this, learning the balance, learning to value myself, learning my own worth, then I imagine everyone else is learning this too because this is part of learning how to be human.
1: Yeah. And we're going to talk a lot about poetry today, which I love. We don't get to talk much about poetry on this show. And I think it's such an important facet of the writing life because more than any other type of writing, I think poetry, I say this about writing in general all the time, but poetry is one of those styles of writing that we think is reserved for these really talented or trained or sort of like called individuals and i think you'd agree with me on this you talk a lot about how poetry saves lives but that that poetry is for all of us and that yeah. it has so much to teach all of us so let's just get started on that conversation by i'd love to hear from you first of all like what was it
0: that drew you to poetry Great. Thanks, Allie. Yeah, I just want to say in response to what you just said, I think it's so true. So the word poetry, the concept of poetry scares a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And that's why in my classes, I say, poetry is kind of the umbrella that we're all standing under together, and or the garden that we're all working in together. And one of the things I love to do is bring poetry down to this very human, instinctual, kinesthetic, what's right here in front of us level, where we're not talking, we don't have to talk in lofty language. If somebody wants to, great. Yes. But just to, like if a kid or, or if a someone in one of my classes, a woman is having trouble starting to write or can't find their voice, I say, let's Say it out loud. Tell me the feeling. Give me the image in your own words because it's Mm. only when you write in your own words and find your own brand of expression, your own tone and rhythm and phrasing that is unique to you, as unique as your fingerprint and, and the pulse of your blood and the rhythm of your breath. Only when you find that in your own writing will you be fulfilled and will you come back to it as a place of refuge and as a place of learning. Yeah. So I love that you bring this up. It's so important. The poetry of today has shifted so much and it's really about... Giving our beautiful attention and capacity for noticing what's right here within us, in front of us, and then finding our own way to express it in a way that nourishes us both internally and is fulfilling and makes us feel more alive when we express mm-hmm. it and share it.
1: Yeah. So much of what you said resonates with me. In the first thing is this idea of finding our voice through poetry mm. and that we won't ever really feel truly satisfied or fulfilled until we're able to find that. I I am really grateful that I had a poetry teacher in college who did an amazing job of inviting us as freshmen in that class into the world of poetry and teaching us how to have an experience with the poem mm. that I had? I had never encountered anything like this before, and I didn't see myself at this time in my life as an intellectual. I didn't mm. see myself as really all that smart. Mm. I thought of myself as creative, but not all that smart. Mm. And so, when I thought of like the poems of T. S. Eliot and and all these other famous poets, I thought like it's kind of over my head. It, you know, I I try to read the poem and I don't get it. And I think a lot of people feel that way about poetry. They feel like it's beyond them. It's over their head. They don't understand it. And I think what you're getting at, which is so cool, is the whole point is (laughs) that you don't get it, that poetry isn't linear. It's not, you don't approach poetry the same way that you approach an article in New York Times where you're looking to glean a piece of information or learn something new about a topic. When you read a poem, you enter into it in that really... So that really grounded, guttural level of you see an image and you relate to it on some level, and you might not know what the poet was even trying to say with the poem, but you know how you feel when you read the image.
0: Yeah, is, am I getting that right? Oh, absolutely, yes. And that, you know, what you're beginning to touch on is this aspect of deep psyche. That we tap into when we work with poetic writing. Yes. There's this way of accessing and communing with what I really believe is the liminal space, this kind of place Mm. that's deeper than regular beta consciousness. And it's before we're so deep that we begin to phase out. But we have this access to deep psyche. And these are where the metaphors come in and the wild images and this place that's half awake and half dream. And so, so not only when we're writing, but also like you're touching on, when we read a piece, you don't have to get it in a literal way. You might just get it in this visceral, instinctive way. If two words move you out of someone's poem, Mm. I bet those words will continue to echo through your life over the next couple of days. And then they begin to make sense and take shape and become part of your own life. There's a reason those words or those phrases or those lines Resonated and rang for you. Yeah. And I think that's part of the magic and the beauty and the mystery and the mysticism of poetry. And what I'm really doing with people when we write is helping them access deep psyche to find those, those metaphors and those images that are deep within us, in our bellies and in our in the, in our pulse and, um, and then write about it in a way that makes it real because once we can name something, we can deal with it. I mean, that's what I found. So to, you know, to go back to your other question, how did I start writing poetry? That was why I started because I had confusion and overwhelm. I left home at 13, raised myself, and really had a lot of challenging, harrowing experiences in my life. And the way that I started to sort and sift and find, actually make my own maps out of the confusion and the overwhelm and the unbearable often hopelessness and, and hurt that mm. I was experiencing was to, to write it. And when I could name those feelings and write the situations out, I could begin to find my way out of what felt like a very lost and confused place in myself yeah. into oh i i see what's happening i see the patterns i am both everything that's happening in the poem i'm writing or the song i'm writing as well as this awareness out here that watches it and sees it and there's a place where the the person myself who's writing and the poem itself there's a place where they meet, and in that meeting, there's an understanding, a recognition that happens. And I think that poetry is an incredible doorway and a mirror into helping us to see and know ourselves when we're in that Absolutely. state. Yeah. When we're in that state of overwhelm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or even, you know, for me, it was trauma. Yes. There was so much unprocessed trauma. And maybe that's part of what you mean when you say overwhelmed, too. Yes. Because trauma is definitely a part of why we feel overwhelmed. But there was so much trauma that I that was unacknowledged. It was buried in my subconscious. Yeah. And I didn't feel that I had a way to process that except through the poetry. And the beautiful thing about poetry versus prose was I didn't have to say it in a way that was true, as in factually true in yep. the 3D. Yep. But I could say it in a way that was true for me, but that that felt it felt more private maybe or yes. more like if someone stumbled across this, they could think I was just making up fanciful stories. Right, And so it felt a little safer in that way. I'm curious if you can talk specifically about that because this this message, this idea that you have that poetry can save lives, I think is so huge. I'm, I'm a believer of this too, that writing in general is a pathway out of deep trauma and woundedness yeah. for us yeah. and can help us reclaim our lives. So talk a little bit about how that works and you, you are talking about it. But if someone's listening who's going, I think this is me and I have always been a journaler. I've always kind of turned to writing as a way to process what's going on with me. How can we be even more intentional about seeing ourselves, knowing ourselves, and creating those maps that you were talking mm. about of our experience?
0: Yeah, so great. One of the things that I do at the very beginning of my book, Write a Poem, Save Your Life, is... I think it's in the first chapter. I say sometimes it's really hard for us to break our own ice to get started. You know, people always say that. How do you get started? And you're asking the same question in terms of how do we go deeper to use writing as, as a map and a trail guide and a mirror out of the very challenging feelings that so many of us have. And I, and I love what you said about the parts that are buried. In the unconscious. And I think this is the beauty of writing is that it really helps us to tap into what's buried. And so. Yeah, it unburies what's buried. (laughs) It unburies the buried. It excavates. Absolutely. We excavate. It's almost like our pen becomes the shovel alley and we start Mm. digging in. So I think it's in the very beginning of the book. I ask a lot of questions to help people get started, and and so these are invitations, and, and anybody could start with any of these questions. What I really want to say to so-and-so is this. The secret I've never told anyone is this. My, my worst sexual experience is this. My best sexual experience is that. I feel shame about this. I wish I could do this one experience in my past differently. And so, they're beginning questions that take us into the core of our relationship with the stuff that we hold inside. And what I have found from my own process is that it takes so much energy to hold it inside yes, and to hold it at bay and to protect ourselves not only from others and the world and the overwhelm for those of us who are highly sensitive, but also to protect ourselves from our, from our own pain just so we can function in the world. But when we start working, with what's inside, what's in the deep, dark soil, I I really feel like that's where our power is. That's where our strength is. Because when we dig that up and name it, and I love what you were saying about when you wrote poetry as opposed to prose, you were able to kind of tell it slant. Yeah, you know, yeah. not have to name it exactly, but you know, instead of it being this person did this or I felt this or this happened, you draw a picture with your words or you paint mm-hmm. the feelings in a shape or a color that's slightly different that gives you the vehicle to express it and feel it. And almost, if you will, exorcise it from your own being. And then you have more freedom and more space because you're not working all the time to hold what hurts or what's scary or what's been traumatic inside. And you have this freedom within you and this space for new experiences to just be more alive.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean that rings so true to me. It makes me think about the the second book that I wrote. That's mine. I've Mm. written a bunch of books for other people, Mm. but I have a book that I wrote when I left an abusive marriage, and I was processing what had happened to me. And the feeling that you're describing—that something has been Mm.
0: exercised—I
1: remember distinctly after the first draft of that book was written, which it was edited very fairly heavily before it was shared with the world. But after the first draft was written, I remember feeling like I feel so light <laughs> and I feel so free to yeah. be holding no secrets anymore. Yes. It was like, this is what life can be like when you don't have secrets that you're keeping.
0: It's so true, Ali. I love that. I, I, I completely relate to that. So when I just wrote this book, write a poem, save your life. I had the very same experience as you, that same feeling Mm. of lightness. This was the first time I ever told my story to a large audience. I mean, there have been a couple people in my life that I've told my story to, leaving home at 13, raising myself, living in the woods and domes that I built and the tops of old barns and abandoned houses along the the river in, in Maryland and being beaten and raped by an old boyfriend, being raped a few times. I mean, my my original introduction was about 50 pages or more of mm. trauma after trauma after trauma that I'd gone through living on my own, starting at 12, 13 years old, just to survive. And my publisher had me cut it down to whatever it is now, I don't remember, 15, 20 pages. But the first time I had really shared my story and I had always held it at bay and shown up in the world and created new businesses and presented myself like <clears throat> whatever a normal person, whatever that means. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: <laughs> And our, to, our,
0: our definition of normal, yeah. Right, or, or to have other people view me as a normal person. Yeah. And to 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 write it down and to claim myself and accept myself and be able to share my story with the world from a place of valuing myself and loving myself and respecting myself really for yeah. I mean it's taken me this long to get there and I, like you, I felt so light, Allie. And I also felt integrated, like owning that as horrible as things were at times in my life, all of it has helped to shape me into who I am yeah. so that for the way that I show up, with myself, with my students, with my friends, with life, and I feel grateful.
1: Yeah. What would you say to the person who is listening who thinks the idea of sharing a poem or sharing any piece of their writing beyond maybe a handful of close trusted friends feels absolutely terrifying to them. Uh, We have a lot of listeners who are ambivalent or are not sure yet whether they would like to publish their writing, but they're using writing as a tool for healing. And I know you would endorse that, but but I'm curious what you would say directly to someone who's like, yeah, I don't know about that whole sharing with an audience thing, but I do want to engage with this tool and use it as a way to heal my own story, or to claim my story—that was those are the words you used. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, I think this is always the first place, and I always tell everybody in my workshops: we're not. Please don't write for anybody outside yourself. Write for yourself. Yes. Write so that you've healed and claimed and integrate yeah. and nourish yourself. And like we were talking about, yes. exercise you know, the, the, the dark and, and what hurts. And so first and foremost, you're always writing for yourself. If you can find a handful of friends to to share it with, that's amazing. I didn't share any of my writing for probably 20 years because it was so personal and because it was my private refuge. And I respect yep. that a thousand percent. What happened for me Was that I'm also a singer songwriter and I was terrified to perform. It also took me 20, 25 years before I ever got on stage. And, and even now, if I go on stage, my hands are shaking as I'm making chords on my guitar. I have no idea what my name is or the first line of the song. I actually have to write down the first line of the song. And (laughs) if I can make it to the first line of the song, the rest is, you know, written in my cells but yeah, um, yeah. so i get it and and i think that there's a sanctity around this kind of deep personal poetic medicine and and mm-hmm. i respect it fully and i think that there's something that happens along the way once we once we're doing it for a while and it doesn't have to happen but it can happen that we realize again that our experience is most likely universal since we're all human beings. So if what I've been through can resonate or be a mirror or help to give the words or the feelings for other people who can't name what's going on in them, but they relate to it. So if my experience can help shine the light and lead the way for others, be that trail guide, be that map, then it feels good to share. So that was one of the ways that that sharing became something that became more fluent for me. You know, I forgot who said it, but it's like this thing of when we share from this deepest part of ourself, this vulnerable part, it's an act of generosity. That's such an important
1: addition to the conversation. And especially because a lot of times what I'll hear from aspiring writers or people who have a writing practice kind of on the side and they're wanting to maybe give themselves a little more to it is they'll say, You know, I wish I could work on this book or work on this poem or whatever, but writing feels self-indulgent or Mm writing, writing feels sort of frivolous. Mm -hmm. And I think what you said is so poignant and perfect, which is that writing is an incredible act of generosity. It is first an act of generosity to you. It nourishes you in a really deep way. And then it becomes this act of generosity to others because as it heals you, whether you ever share the writing with anyone or not, you, you become different. And so you have more to give to the world and to those around you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one thing I thought of as you were talking a few minutes ago that I – it's a connection I never would have made before Mm -hmm. until you said it, but you talked about this idea of mapping our world through our words Mm -hmm. and how we use our own words to transform us or heal us. I can't remember how you said the Mm -hmm. second part, but I was thinking about a period of time in my life that was was really challenging and dark. I lost a friend to suicide Mm -hmm. many years ago, and I wrote this poem that – I have never shared publicly. I it, it was It's called The Stages of Grief, and it's divided into five sections, like The Stages of Grief, and mm-hmm. each one sort of follows the denial, anger. Um, and this is the only time I've ever done this in my life with a poem, but I wrote the poem, and I have reread that poem to myself like thousands and thousands and thousands of times mm-hmm. over the years to the point where there are moments when the poem will almost like come to me like a mm-hmm. meditation. Yeah. That like parts of the poem, like completely out of context, when I'm experiencing something totally different in my life that has nothing to do with death or loss in Mm -hmm. that way, that I'll think of a part of the poem, like one one example is a piece of the poem came to me when I first became a mother, which is a very different experience than losing Mm -hmm. someone you love. But Mm -hmm. it's interesting to think of that as like, even though that's not something I've published or made money from, or it hasn't. You know, contributed to my career in that kind of obvious way, <laughs> that it has for sure become part of the building block of who I am and how I cope and how I talk to myself.
0: Oh, that is so gorgeous, Allie. Thank you for sharing that. So powerful. It's so fascinating on so many levels what you're sharing. The mapping is really important to me. I feel that, you know, even when. We get really low or depressed, or uh, whatever place we go on our own spectrum, it's probably gonna happen again to us. And so, like for me, I grew up with a lot of depression. And um, so for me, the writing my myself through those, times, which felt a lot like a death in a way. When it would happen again, I felt like I had a map that not only reminded me that this was a cyclical process, that there were tides, that I would come out the other side eventually, that always for me, there was always a treasure that I came back with. Now, for me, usually what would happen is I would go into a just very, very bad depression where I was completely hopeless. From the time I was very young, young child, and I would feel like I lost months of my life. And then finally, I would get... The first line of poetry or the first line of a song almost whispered into my ear. And yeah. I believe that that is really my, my own muse, my own uh, saving grace of, of the life force itself that called me back and said, here's the work permit, girl. <laughs> now you got the first line. Now, yeah. now you got to work. We know you like to work, but we had to, you know, here's the lifeline. Yeah. You know, we pulled you out of the muck, out of the quicksand. Now get to work. You know, this is bigger than you. Yeah. And I would work and work and work and like sometimes not move for like 15 hours except to, you know, have a bite of food and, and go to the bathroom, you know, until the poem yeah. was done or the, or the song was done. And then I would see, you know, what I had made. And it became a reason to live. It became a yes. reason to to want to stay curious about life itself.
1: I was going to ask you that. Like, did it did it give you, because I think it did this for me, give you a little bit of a sense of purpose of those times of darkness, almost like I'm going to go into this time of darkness, and it's maybe uncomfortable, but I'm going to come out on the other side with this this new understanding or this thing that I can share or this thing that brings comfort to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really, every time I would go into a depression, I would forget that the treasure would come. I would forget that the voice would come. And so I had to go through it. (laughs) I'm a slow learner. (laughs) And so I'd (laughs) have to go through it every time. And yet I almost think that that must have been part of the practice as I'm saying it right now, because had I known that something you know gorgeous or beautiful or a deep insight or learning or transformation was going to come out of it i wonder if i had known that if it would have been the same you know cuz i would have had yeah. one foot out watching and for me my process which may not be the same for other people but my process is to is full immersion so i had to go yeah, fully yeah. in with complete hopelessness before the voice would throw the right, the the lifeline, you know? And so, and then, you know, I, 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 was committed to, to the work, but, but absolutely. I mean, it was the purpose.
1: Yeah. You may have already answered this question, but this is the question that I like to close with because we have so many writers and aspiring writers who are listening. I'm wondering, knowing that writing is a practice that has so much to give us and also, can be quite challenging. (laughs) What is it that keeps you coming back?
0: Mm, For me, it is when I touch the place in my own writing where I don't know what I'm going to say, and I learn something that I didn't know I knew. In a new way of saying something, to be able to put what I feel in my body into words in a way that I had never said it that way before, and it, and it nails it. I think back to the very beginning of our conversation about claiming myself. So when I write yes. something that allows me and helps me to claim myself, become more whole and more at home, in who I am, and how that echoes through my whole life. This is what keeps me writing.
1: Everything you've said today just resonates with me mm. on a deep, deep level as a writer and a poet and a creative person. It took me a long time to call myself a poet, mm. but I do call myself a poet. Beautiful. If we, have, if we have people listening who want to experiment more with poetry or want to know more about you or want to participate in one of your workshops, where can they find out more about who you are, and what
0: offerings you have. Oh, great. They can go to meredithheller.com It's M-E-R-E D-I-T-H H-E-L-L-E-R meredithheller.com It has all my workshops, all my books. I have two new poetry books that are coming out in September, River Spells and Yuba Witch, both of which I wrote over the last two summers camping outside at A river in Northern California. And I want to put it out there that I have just received a grant to fund women and teen girls in need for my fall workshops. And I am so excited, Allie, because this has been my dream. So please, if you're out there and you're listening, and you'd like to take a workshop with me, and it's fully funded, so I have a few spaces left for teen girls and women. Please get in touch with me now. Send me an email, Meredith Poetry at gmail.com. And I so look forward to making my workshops available to as many women right now, people in general, but right now I'm focusing yeah. on women and teen girls Amen. as possible. And I'm just—I'm so excited to be able to offer it. It's really this has been my biggest dream. So um,
1: that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing. I mean, the work you're doing is so profound and important, and you know has so many parallels to the work that that we're doing and that yes. I'm so passionate about. And I love that you are specifically teaching poetry and talking about poetry. Poetry has been an absolute lifesaver for me. And we don't talk a lot about poetry at Find Your Voice. So I'm so glad that you are here and that you have this unique purpose. And I'm really grateful that you spent this time with us today. It's a gift to us. So thank you for that. And I really hope everyone listening, go check out Meredith's book, also write a poem, Save a Life, and also check out her website. Thank you so much, Meredith. Thanks for listening to the Find Your Voice podcast. We hope this inspires you to pick up a pen and start finding the words that will change your life, your community, and your world. If you liked what you heard today, share with a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, check out our website, findyourvoice.com. Subscribe to our Monday Motivation for free and get inspiring writing prompts in your inbox each week. Until next time, happy writing.